Wow, what a great day, what a special day. Obviously, we are celebrating Mother's Day, which is amazing in and of itself, but um, the dedication that we just got to experience together uh, is amazing. Next week, we're gonna have baptisms. I think that was on Pastor Bob's mind <laughs> um, this morning as well. And both are just solemn, uh, wonderful events where we solidify greater commitments to Christ. If you would like to be baptized, it's not too late. You can contact us and we will do that next week. Um, but today on Mother's Day, before I start, I, I do want to remind you so I don't forget uh, that we have baby bottles out in the foyer. We will have them as you're leaving. Uh, there will be a table stationed out there as well as the ushers may have some. These are Hannah's home baby bottles. How many of you have ever done this project before? Yes, it's an awesome, awesome opportunity to invest. We actually just had four or five moms, mothers, either expectant mothers or newborns that were here for our, our ladies' tea. Um, we invited them, we blessed them with some gifts, we just showered them with love. But this is a fundraiser that Hannah's Home, which is a home for um, unwed mothers who have, do not have a place to live, and they help these women get on their feet. They help them even after they have the baby, learn how to care for the baby and how to make preparations to take care of this child. Um, it is an awesome ministry. There is more information about this ministry out on the table with the bottles. So check it out. We keep these, um, fill them up, and then bring them back before Father's Day. So we go Mother's Day to Father's Day. If you bring them back filled, we will put your name in a, uh, what's that? Yeah, did I say that? No? <laughs> yeah, that, what, thank you, Mom, on Mother's Day. That's my mom, always looking out for kids. Yeah, I should be specific. You need to fill them with money. <laughs> Uh, that would have been interesting. We actually should have let that slide and see what everybody brought and just line it up. <laughs> Bob's would have beef jerky. Mine would have chocolate. Uh, anyways, fill this with money. Bring it back. And then we will get, pass them on to Hannah's home. And we'll kind of keep you informed this month as that project continues to go along. So I just wanted to share that. Uh, but happy Mother's Day to all the ladies in the house. Can we give them a hand? Come on. You do not have to be a physical mother to be a mother. There are all kinds of moms. There are biological moms, adoptive mothers, spiritual mothers, even bonus moms. I like to be the bonus mom. I'm like, give me your kid. We're going to Chuck E. Cheese. And then I bring them back and I'm like, sayonara. Um, <laughs> so bonus moms are fun, right? And they can be um, important. They can be influencers in our life. God has used so many women and men to invest in my life. Bob and I often talk about this and he mentioned it this morning. Uh, we are who we are because men and women invested in our life from the time we were babies until now. Hundreds of them, different people having different influences. So as women, please don't diminish your influence 
if you have not been gifted as a biological mother, because you have been given the gifts inside of a mother, and you can use those for the kingdom and to, to bless other people. Um, so let's just open uh, here this, this message with prayer real quick. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for um, this very special day. God, I thank you for all of the women in the house that have been gifted uniquely by you for a purpose. I pray that your word would come forward, God, that it would not be um, of my own thoughts, God, but that you would anoint uh, your word, that it would touch our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I want to talk about the confident mom. This almost seems like an oxymoron, right? Because unfortunately, many of us mothers spend a considerable amount of time wondering if we're doing the job good enough, thinking about what we could have done better if we failed, if they're going to pay for it. Can I get an amen? If you're not that mom, I hail you. <laughs> but we really have to physically fight against those feelings. What is confidence? We start here. Here is a definition of confidence. A feeling of self-assurance of one's own abilities or qualities. I have an example of what comes to mind when I think of confidence. If we can have him. My buddy Gaston, right? Borderline arrogant or just full-fledged arrogant, but confident, right? He's confident in himself. We have another definition. Confidence, the feeling that you have the ability to do things well. You're sufficient for the task and able to complete it. When I think of this definition, I think of a little more humble character. If we could have her, Maria. Some of you may not know the, uh, the song as well because it's not as popular, um, but because Ella was just in the musical, I've heard them about a trillion times. I could sing the harmonies, the baritone, the every word. But there's a song that she says, I have confidence because I have confidence in me. And she's walking toward the house. She's feeling not confident. So she's really trying to pump herself up that, like, she's got this. So by the time she gets to the house, she's spinning in her dress. And then she gets to the door, and she's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's just she knew she was trying to pump herself up, but it just wasn't happening. As we look specifically to moms, since it's Mother's Day, I think about the different levels of confidence that each mother has. Sometimes a new mother is hesitant and unsure as they start out, but eventually they begin to learn their baby, they get into a routine, and they grow more confident in their instincts and their ability to take care of this child. Then we have the veteran moms. You know, they're the ones that uh, put oatmeal in the bottle when you're not supposed to, before the doctor says you can. Uh, Kim Zinni just tried to pull a little something like this last week. I'm not going to tell what it is, but. <laughs> they're confident in their ability because they've been there. They've done that. They've learned what works. They don't need permission. They don't need your opinion. They have confidence in their actions because it's based on their experience and what they learned with their babies. But for every mother, there comes a moment in parenting, 
No matter how confident you think you are, when you're faced with a season in your role as a mother where you feel ill-equipped, unqualified, or just downright scared that you're going to mess it up. How is it that we can be in a season one moment where we're so confident in our ability, we kind of feel like the rock star mom, we're like kicking it in the minivan, we got the snacks, we're passing back, we've got it all together, and then in a split second, we can feel like a failure in a different season. The clue lies kind of in our first definition of confidence, if I can have that again. These three simple words, our own abilities. We were confident in a season, maybe most likely the season when our children were babies, because everything is in our control. We figured out how long to warm a bottle till it's perfect, right? Um, I heard, I think it was Sophia say, put it on, she told her friend, put it on 15 seconds, shake it, put it on five seconds, take it right out. I'm like, wow, that is, wow, that is like really direct here on how, but she figured out the perfect temperature. We figured out what each cry meant, how to respond to our babies. We knew the problem. We had the solution. We were confident because we were able to keep things under control. The problem is babies grow up. And when they grow up, you're still their mother, but you lack the control you were convinced you had at one time, right? I think of a story that has stuck with me for years where it was a devotional and a mother was sharing that her infant had been sick um, and had a bad cold and had breathing issues. So she was staying in the baby's room and it was laying in the, the crib and she, I don't know, you all have had to do this if you're a new mom. If you didn't, then hey, I don't know. Like they breathe so quietly, you like grab them I did that to my kids like 20 times, like, are they breathing? And, like, and then they're like, what is going on? But you're so scared they're not breathing, and you're watching over them. And she said she sat up all night watching her baby to make sure her baby was breathing. And she would go, and she would listen. And she said midnight when she went in to check on, or when she went up to the crib to look at the baby, she said she heard God say to her, do you actually think you're keeping her alive? That pierced my heart and changed my entire life. Because yes, we do think we're keeping them alive. We really do. As moms, we're feeding them. We're watching over them. We're making sure they're breathing, they're protected, they're dry, they're comfortable. And we truly believe we are keeping them alive. You are not, because there is a father who is watching over these babies. He's hovering over them and breathing life into them every single minute. Do you have a role? You do, but you do not have control. Today we did something. We dedicated our children to, well, see, they're not mine, but <laughs> I feel like they're, they're our children. Um, the Johnsons and Alexa dedicated their children. When we dedicate children, we're acknowledging the children we're holding may be in our care, but they do not belong to us. 
When we dedicate our children, we're promising God to do our best to be good stewards of the precious gifts that we've been given. But we're also relinquishing control of those children to the one who is able to keep them and save them. The truth is that we're not in control. So the first definition that I gave you is not going to work because it's based on your own ability. Let's have a new definition of confidence. Belief in powers, trustworthiness, or reliability of a person or thing. I'm going to go with the person, right? This is the definition of confidence. If you want to be a confident mother, you must understand that your confidence is not going to come from your preparation and experience. These are great resources. It's beneficial and it's responsible to study, to educate ourselves, to ask those who know more than us what we should do to get help. Those are responsible decisions and choices as a mother. However, your main source cannot be you. Why? Because all the books and education in the world cannot prepare you for some of the things that are to come. There is a little slogan that we have lived with for the last 18 years. You know the good thing, both of my children are in classes today, which means I get to talk about them. So here's the thing, I asked their permission in the morning and I was laughing hysterically with Ella because Liam had his headphones on. And I said, "Mm mm-hmm. Right, thank you, Liam. Glad you gave me permission. So, hey, I was willing to talk. If you want to wear your headphones, then whatever happens, happens. But our slogan was life with Liam. And everyone's like, you have to write this. You have to write this stuff down. You just have, I don't have to write it down. It's here. It's all here. But when he was born, he literally stayed awake for hours. Blink, 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 blink. I was like, don't babies sleep? (laughs) Every baby picture I see of everyone else is like, they're wrapped up and bundled. Mine's like, blink, 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 blink. Literally, hours. He was born at 3 in the morning. At 7.30, I'm like, somebody help me. (laughs) Everyone was taking turns. That energy never faded. We called him White Lightning. That is his nickname because he, had, he was a towhead, and he would just be like, woom, woom. We would be up at 3 in the morning watching Booba. Do you remember that? He watched Booba, and I would be like a zombie. And he's like, Booba. Um, he just did not sleep. And he was so inquisitive and even impulsive, and so I became the helicopter mom. And I would go before him in certain, every situation, I would prepare the way. I would try to head off an issue before it came. And actually, I became pretty good at this, I I must say. Very good. Inevitably, there would be the variable I was not anticipating, which is another human being entering the scene. (laughs) So I would walk into the the party and be like, who brought a balloon? (gasps) What is going on here? Balloons were like Liam's kryptonite. If there was a balloon, I was like, no. You have to be there to understand. Inevitably, there would be another child, right? 
who is just as energetic and wild that would amp up the situation. The point is that we can become confident in thinking we've prepared for certain situations. And many times you can because you know your child. But there's going to be times when you're blindsided with situations you did not imagine. <clears throat> the phone call, the relationship you didn't see coming, the letter from the principal you could not have anticipated. Yes, you're all laughing. The diagnosis, that's shocking. We don't always have time to read a book or go scope out the area ahead of time, right, for hidden dangers. But what we do have is a relationship with the God who knows it all, and he will go before your children, and he will prepare the way. He will make the crooked path straight. It's in him where we gain our confidence. This morning, I want to share two keys to becoming a confident mom. If you're not a mother, rest assured you take everything I'm saying right now and you simply apply it to being a follower of Jesus. Do you want to be a confident follower of Jesus? You can apply these same things. We're going to start... Uh, because what mom does not love the royal family, right? <laughs> we're going to kind of use the royal family as a little example here of what we're going to learn today. Now, what is painfully missing from this royal family is the only person we all really love out of it. Okay, anyways, still the royal family, whether you like many of them or not. Here is the number one thing you must understand in order to become a confident Christian or a confident man. You must have confidence in your legitimacy and your rights as a daughter or a son of the king. You have been chosen. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You have been called into a lineage of royalty because you have been born into it or adapted into it through Christ Jesus. Your children now have an inheritance. It's automatic. It's just like the royal family. Because you have an inheritance and you know who you belong to, speak it. Walk in it. Act like it. Act like the princess or the prince or the leader that you real power are and the authority that you walk in. I remember one time when I was pouting up against the dishwasher and I was using my body to pin between the cabinet and the dishwasher to hold it closed because everything had gone wrong that week. And the stupid dishwasher had been fixed three times. And I'm like, oh, no, you're staying shut. So I was like, for an hour, I had my foot up against the, and I had my back pushing it as hard as I could. And I was just pouting. I was like, God, my dishwasher, and you just, everything's always out of control. And about an hour after I sat there, he's like, are you done? I'm like, yeah. He's like, now straighten your crown up and get up and act like who I made you to be. 
And I literally got up and kind of envisioned myself like, got it, okay, I'm going forward. <laughs> this is not what it seems. When the enemy comes to try and convince you you're at the end of an era, that this is the last of the royal line, it's you, your children aren't going to carry this any further. Yeah, you accepted it, you chose it, but your children, eh, they're not guaranteed. I would speak back the word of God to him. The Bible says not only were you chosen, but your children would be blessed. If you choose the Lord, it says the seed of the righteous will be delivered and they will live in peace. Your children's protection and God's pursuit of their soul for salvation are not promised because you're doing a good enough job. We don't earn it. They're promised because the lineage of royalty runs in your blood. This is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. So we might receive adoption as sons, and you can say, and daughters. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. When royalty is born, it doesn't really matter what they do, as we have seen in the past they can still retain their title because by blood rights, they are the heir and nothing can take that from them. We have been given a right as the children of God. And when our children come into the world through us, if we remain under the authority of the king, they then are heirs automatically. And we need to receive that. As an heir, our position is legit. Part of the privilege and position that's been given to many of us women is also the position of mother. You were divinely chosen to be the mother of the children you were gifted to receive. Sometimes we question as mothers if our children would have been better served by a different mother. Sometimes our children are so different than we are and have issues we don't really understand that we wonder if God really meant for us to be their mother. I show you a slide, Exhibit A. This. Now you might think, oh, cute, children in a costume. No, no, there was no costume party. We were on our way waiting for a bus, and I was checking out of Disney at the hotel, and my children were very angry we were leaving. So instead of using their words, they decided to put on a mask to show how they were feeling. So you're, you know, at the airport, like, hello, hello, hello. These are my children, yes, yes, Darth Vader and Darth Vatris. Yes. They were so mad and upset, they just covered their face with their Vader, and they were going to be mean. So everybody leave them alone. That is just not me. That is not how I do things. I'm like, let's discuss it. How are you feeling? 
you know, you get the lightsaber. Yes, I understand you're angry, Vader. Okay. Sometimes, this is a funny example, but honestly, sometimes we look at the special needs our children have, their personalities, and we can feel like we're not equipped with the experiences or the abilities that would best serve their needs. Maybe it's just even having the patience and the understanding that's necessary for some children. And yet, they were matched to me. Yes. <laughs> yes, they were matched. Thank you, Jesus. When we question the match God made, we are treating motherhood like some kind of lottery. The stork did not fly over and drop a random child at your house. The choice God made when he chose us as mothers was very carefully planned and meticulously orchestrated for that time in history, for that family, for their needs and your personality, believe it or not. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, before you were born, God already planned out what work would be ahead for you, who you would be, what you would be called to do. That included your children. He either placed within you before you were born what you would need to be that mother, or he is holding it right now and simply asking for you to come to him and receive what you need in this season. It can only be one of two things. In order for you to have confidence as a mother or even just a Christian, you have to believe in your legitimacy, the position that you hold. But then you also have to realize that there are privileges that you get to receive as a child of the king. One of your greatest privileges is that you have unlimited access to the king. Unlimited. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The throne is open to you. You don't even have to walk in and wait for the scepter to be extended like it was in the Old Testament. Because when Jesus came and paid the price for you, he removed anything in between you and the Father. And you now have unlimited access to come into the throne room and talk to the king about anything. Uh, I can't help but share this as an example when I read this scripture and what I'm thinking about, again, my children, and since they're not in here, we're getting it all in as much as humanly possible. If you have not seen my children, you will at one point if we have a picture of them. This is Liam and Ella. These are my babies. Liam is graduating Saturday, so he's not a baby anymore. Now, I'm not in any way proposing what I'm about to share is proper. <laughs> Let me preface it with this. However, my children have no concept of social appropriateness or timing when it comes to access to me. Can I get an amen for my family? 
Since we're talking in terms of royalty, I will designate myself as the queen. <laughs> they want access to the queen 24-7. If they want to talk to me, they will not be denied. I could be mid-hug with a friend. I could be in a meeting. I could be sleeping in my bed. I could be in the process of giving CPR in the vestibule to an individual who has fallen. But if they need me, they will approach me. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. They will push through. They will blow up my phone. They will call other people in my family to find out if they are with me or in the vicinity. They do. Whatever it takes. Why? Because they know if they can get to me, I will drop everything to hear what's going on with them and find out what they need. It may not be appropriate for them to interrupt me. They need to learn to wait. But the bottom line is that I have a relationship with my children where they know beyond a shadow of a doubt they come first. They come before the church. They come before everybody else. They are first. They know I love them and would do anything in my power to tend to them. They earned that access with me simply by being born to me, right? They are my children. You have legitimately earned access to your heavenly father in this way. I am limited. It is not appropriate for them to interrupt me at all times. However, he is not limited. You can go to him at any time you are not interrupting him. He is available to you, and not because of any price you paid, but simply because you are legitimate heirs. There's absolutely no reason for us to be carrying the burdens we're carrying. We were never meant to carry them. There is no reason for us to be scratching our heads and fearful over situations we cannot control and we were never meant to handle. We have a heavenly father who longs to welcome us with our questions, our problems, with our request for help or advice, and if we go to him, he has the answers. Hebrews says that we can approach the throne of God's grace with boldness and confidence. We don't need to come begging. We need to come believing that he enjoys hearing from us, that he's available to us with no restrictions. One of the biggest mistakes we can make as Christians is we can subtly begin to feel and act like employees when God has paid a price to make us sons and daughters. We've been conditioned from our birth to earn. Think about it. You earn praise and affirmation from your parents. I was laughing. Someone was telling me an example about potty training and how their child was getting something every time they went to the potty. So now they were just running to the potty and then getting up and being like, yeah, where's my stuff? Where's my treat? And they're like, no, no, it doesn't work that way. But we're conditioned. If I do this, I get this. We earn grades from teachers. We earn playing time from coaches. We earn attention from boys and girls. We earn our paycheck from an employer because we work. We've learned how to earn before we even knew how to speak or walk. But this earning mindset completely disables grace. We don't know how to receive favor without working for it. 
I just thought of you, Mike Thomas. There's no free lunch. This is something Mike Thomas taught me. I worked for him for many, many years. He says, there's no free lunch. Grace is the only free lunch. He's wrong. <laughs> for years, I wanted to prove him wrong on something. The only free lunch is grace. You don't work for grace. We trade our privilege that God has given us for unmerited favor because we prefer to work for it and serve God like an employee. The truth is that we don't feel safe letting God be in complete control. And earning gives us some semblance of control. I deserve this because I did what you told me to do. And we can start getting that attitude with God. You said, if I did this, you'll do this. Then your relationship is like an employee. You do not have a father-daughter or father-son relationship right now. And you need to reevaluate that and begin to live in grace. When we begin to see ourselves with unlimited access to the king, who has unlimited power and ability, we free ourselves from the responsibility of being the perfect mother or maybe the perfect Christian. We don't need to be equipped with all the answers because we have a king that we can approach boldly. He has the answers. He never intended for you to do what you're doing in your own power or ability. He wanted you to have to come to him. He wanted you to be unable and then look to him. He wanted to be the source the entire time. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He desires for you to learn dependence on him, and then in turn, teach your children how to depend on him and not on you. We must be confident in our legitimacy, but we also must be confident in God's love and his sole ability to save our children. In order to trust God completely, you will need to truly believe he loves your children more than you do. I think we say things like, I know God loves my children more than me, but our actions reveal we don't really believe that. We do things to keep control, but if we truly believe God loves them more than us, then we would be willing to relinquish that. Matthew 7, 11 says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I mean, we don't even know how to do this right. So what makes us think that we know better than God how to do this? God is the ultimate Father. And we can trust him with our children. If you don't wholeheartedly believe God loves your children more than you, you won't relinquish control. You will want him to be involved a little bit. But being involved and being in control are not the same thing. Developing a trust in God requires relationship. If you don't know him, you won't trust him. We spend enormous amounts of time trying to please our children. 
trying to entertain them, trying to provide for them, trying to educate ourselves on their needs, on their plans, on their future, on how we could help them best. We try to be creative with our children and provide special activities and memories. And, and we, we just, as moms, we are consumed with trying to do what is best for our children. And whatever that takes, we will sacrifice whatever it takes. But the most important thing that we could do to be the confident, amazing mothers we were called to be is cultivate our relationship with God. It is from trust that you will see the greatest impact in your children's life when you relinquish control to God. But in order to do that, you have to have a very close relationship with him first. You need to cultivate that relationship. An awesome way to beef up your trust in God is rehearse situations where God has already come through for you. Stop worrying about what could happen and start rehearse how he has come through. Every time there was an if, there was a then God. He has been faithful to us. He has provided. He has delivered us. His love has never failed us. So why would it fail our children? Rehearse these things in your mind and stop laying in bed rehearsing what could happen to them. Prophesy over them. Speak what will happen to them. Speak the promises of God and not the fears that consume your heart. Read stories of his faithfulness in the Bible to mothers and fathers. Gosh, we just sang about it, one of my favorite songs, Same God. You're the God of Mary. You're the God of David. You're the God of Moses. You're the God of Abraham who was going to give up his only son. You're the God of Hannah who did give up her son and gave him back to God. You're the God of Sarah who believed she could never have children. You're the God of Yoshebed, Moses' mom who put her baby in a Nile with crocodiles. Who does that? Only crazy for God moms who know their child is safer in a Nile with crocodiles in the hands of God than in her own arms. She believed it. She followed through. She gave up control. She gave those children or that child Moses to God, and and that was part of fulfilling his destiny and his story. And sometimes we feel like we're failing because we didn't provide the way. Yoshiba didn't provide Moses' upbringing and all the things he needed. You know what she did get to do? Hold him and nurse him and love him and sing over him and pray over him because she became his nurse. God did not deny her the intimacy, but he said, you're not the answer. I will raise him. I will anoint him. I will send him to a place where he will be entrusted with everything he needs to do the work I've called him to do, and you can't do it. Yet he chose her. Why? Because he knew she would give control to him. Maybe he chose you because he knows that you will seek him and you will lead your child to him. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to be the one. We must not only be confident in God's love for our children and be willing to trust him completely, 
but we must surrender to the fact that he alone can save them. We can influence our children, we can model Christ for them, but you cannot save them. You don't have the ability to do it. In closing, I want to share this quote by Anne Graham Lotz. She said, we mothers must take care of the possible and trust God for the impossible. We are to love, affirm, encourage, teach, listen, and care for the physical needs of the family. We cannot convict of sin, create hunger and thirst for God, or convert. These are miracles, and miracles are not in our department. Here's what she said. My part, the possible. Here's what you can do. Love expressed. My part is to pray in a lo intelligently, logically, urgently, and without ceasing in faith. To enjoy being a mother. Gosh, can we just settle down and enjoy being a mom? Because time's a-wasting. Babies are growing, right? Stop worrying about doing it so perfectly and enjoy being with them. Enjoy being a mom. Provide a warm and happy home and minister to their physical and emotional needs as I am able. That is your job. You are relinquished from the rest. So lay it down and let it go. Here's the rest. You ready? God's part, which means not your part. This is the impossible for you. Conviction of sin. Ouch. That hurts. Because I feel it is my responsibility to continuously tell you this is not right. This is going to, and it is my responsibility to share that, but I'm not going to be able to convict of sin. Creating a hunger and thirst for righteousness. You cannot do that. Conversion. You cannot change a heart. Bringing someone to the total place of commitment. You can't do it. Showing ourselves as we really are without discouraging us. We can try to illuminate what's in our children's heart and say, well, this is what's really happening. Well, this is who you really are. Well, the you need to let God do that. You prophesy over the good things that are in them. You encourage them. You lead them to the cross. And finally, continually filling us with this Holy Spirit for our sanctification and for his service. You can't clean your kids up for God. Only God can clean them up for himself. And when we try to do the work of God, we push our children away. We push them away from God and we sabotage what he's trying to do. The greatest thing you can do is cultivate a strong relationship with God and model it. Show them how good God is to you. Show them how much he loves them. Show them that he is with arms wide open. If they walk away, he is waiting for them to come back to him. We're going to pray, and I just want to encourage all of you 
as Tim mentioned, even when we were praying, I know this is not a joyous day for some of you. I know of several of you in here that I talked to even this week who lost your mothers this year. That's hard. That's real hard. Some of you that want to be mothers and have lost children or, or maybe you just feel really, really inadequate right now. Maybe your children are far away from the Lord and your heart's broken and you're, you're beating yourself up. Maybe it's because of me. No, because we can't save our children. We can only do our best to model Christ's love, to give them a hunger for that same love. I want to pray for all of you, and I want to encourage you to be thankful. In all things, be thankful. This is the key. Whether we feel sad, whether we feel grateful, this is our key. God, I thank you because you are a good, good father. No matter what season of life we're in right now, God, no matter where our children are, no matter how we're feeling, the truth of your word is that you have called us, you have equipped us, and you've anointed us, not just to be mothers, but to be these mothers, mothers to these children with their distinct needs, personalities, and giftings, because you knew it was the match. God, I thank you that you are healing those right now that are feeling maybe guilty, lonely, sad. God, that you're refilling us with energy and passion to do what you have called us to do, that you're anointing us freshly, God, and giving us new dreams and visions for our families. God, may you be honored this Mother's Day, Lord, in every home, in every gathering as we meet together, Lord. Let the conversations be about you and your faithfulness and rehearsing what you've done in our lives, God, reliving that. I thank you so much, and I praise you, Lord. Meet every need that's here in your name. Amen.